Now as we seek God's blessing upon his own holy word, it's a word that he has blessed in the past, and it's a word that he blesses where he is present at, at all times. Because that is what we seek here this morning, is a few moments to seek his glory and give him the praise and the honor that is due to him in a world that claims all the honor and, and glory unto itself. But that is not the way we should see it and we should not be carried away with that type of thinking. Thinking. Because it's a powerful current in the midst of life here on earth at this moment. It is so powerful that it can take our feet from us if we are not careful with deceit and with the sort of truths. But I want here to look for a few moments at, at uh, chapter 18 and at verse 4 following. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I, I, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let those men go. Was to fulfill, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. And that's great encouragement for us on this morning as we are challenged by all the other things in life here. Whom, in verse 7 he says, whom do you seek? You see? And this is a question that he is asking us. He asked them, but they're gone. But he's asking us just now also, whom do you seek? What is at the center of this worship here this morning? Have we gone to, to see someone, hear someone, or, or say something, or, or to write about it later on? Whom do we seek? See, Jesus had, had preached before. He had left them many encouraging words along the way there as he spoke to them. And, and, and in the previous chapters here, before he comes to this one, he, he has said to them many, many things uh, to encourage them. And every Christian needs encouragement. There is enough disappointment in this world, but he needs encouragement. Truly I say unto you, he says, he has said this before, except, he said, a grain of seed falls into the ground and dies. If it doesn't die, it's of no use. And this is what he goes on to say. It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And you saw that in your own gardens and in your own plots and wherever you plant things. How amazing the whole thing is that this bulb that you have or whatever has to die 
and you go and lift your potatoes at the end of, of in October or something and you'll find there the old one there is empty all the goodness has gone out of it it's just a shell there because it has sprouted out and given you a good uh, return on what you said and Jesus had said that to them and he said to them also he said when a voice came from heaven to them he said the voice said I have glorified it and I will glorify it again to Jesus but Jesus said when they were amazed this has not come for for your sake not mine this voice has come for your sake not mine Christ didn't require this but he was encouraging them along the way to believe in the scripture to believe this is the most the biggest problem that we have isn't it in life is to believe the truth we don't have any difficulty in believing something that's off center or something that appears in the papers or anything like that we don't have a, a, a great difficulty with these things but what a difficulty we have when it comes to the truth the truth he said Jesus said in another place you shall know the truth he said and the truth shall set you free but you won't come he said to me that you might find rest and find the answer to your problem but there's another thing here that Jesus said he said that his hour had come and that's a very important thing as well in the great high priestly prayer he said the hour has come glorify your son everything in life here is cut out by God it isn't a chance happening all things pertaining to him here had to happen at a, a decisive hour a special hour and you might come across things like that in your own life and you'll turn out and you'll say well I was lucky wasn't it? and we use that flippant word lucky when it is sometimes in the providence of God that these things are happening and, and carefully surrounding us but he said to them you have sorrow just now he said but he said your sorrow is only seasonal it's only for a while see the world has all the glamour and the joy so they say but if we hadn't been in the world my dear friend we wouldn't know what they were talking about would we know what they're talking about the world doesn't have the joy it has a false joy it has a false peace and this is the one who came that God moved time and, and space for this to work out and he says to them the hour has come now in other places he said my hour has not yet come he, said. he asked him to do certain things he said my hour has not yet come nothing's going to rattle this nothing's going to shake it this way or another way because this is the captain of our salvation coming to be to be made perfect in his suffering Christ had to suffer the just 
for the unjust that I might bring us to God. What a problem to bring a sinner to God. He has fallen away from him. And because of that, while I was with them, he says, I kept them in your name. Some of the encouraging things that he said to me. But he said, they're not believing me. I wonder if you're here this morning and you have a question. And you're finding it difficult. It's going round in your head. You're finding it difficult to find an answer for it. And a precise answer. The world can give you plenty of answers. The world can tell you just now, forget about going to church. Forget about the scriptures. Forget about anything like that. Join us in the the joy of the world, you see. But what is that? It is a mere bubble that bursts. And look at the disaster round about us in our nation this morning. Look at all the difficulties that people have with children, Lord, that they loved and brought up and have fallen away to that trap, my friend. And they find no purpose. They have no purpose in life. And that is one thing that we all need. We need purpose in life. And we chase up one blind eye alley after another, looking for that, and it's a dead end. But Jesus said to them, when they asked him here, whom do you seek, he said. And he said, well, he said, I told you that I am he. I told you, he said. This is straight from Christ. This isn't a secondary issue. This is a primary issue. This is where it comes to us from God, my friend. And it has to come to us from God to convince us that Christ is our Savior. And you are here this morning and you know Christ as your Savior. And you have many doubts and you have difficulties, so have I. I've had them all my life, my friend, but that doesn't dismiss the authority of Christ and his word and his truth that he said they came, he said that, I might, that they might have life, he said and have it in all its abundance in all its fullness, he said because they don't have that by nature you who were dead, he said in trespasses and in sin has he enlightened and brought near himself through the grace of God no wonder the hymn writer said, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. No. But you see, right at the heart of this situation, where we began our reading, they said Judas was in here. That was the danger. Judas was in here. Judas hadn't a clue because he didn't know who Christ was. He didn't know what Christ, how Christ was thinking. But Christ had told them before this, that one of them would betray him. One of them. One of the twelve. And you might say, ah, oh, well, that's me. That's probably me. I, I'm, I've betrayed Christ. I've turned my back on him. No, see, that's not the issue. Not at all. Judas, my friend, was lost 
because he was never saved. That's why. Never saved. He was in there blending with them, plotting with them, plotting against the Master and showing them all these things. And Christ knew that all along. If you, knew, if you were in a gathering and you knew you had a dozen people around you and you knew one person was plotting against you, how, how uncomfortable that would have been. It would be uncomfortable. Somebody there that wasn't going the same direction as you thought was going. And that's Judas here. You see, because he had a, a con- he was making a profession without having a possession. A possession. He didn't possess Christ, my friend. But he was in among them there in a pretense, a way of pretense. And that can easily happen. And that's why scripture tells us, let a man examine himself. He doesn't say, you go and examine him, but let me examine myself as to where I stand regarding the supper here tonight. Have I heard that truth? Have I heard this joyful sound, Jesus saves? Have I known this person all my life? And I try to say, yes, I have, against all the wiles of the devil that would have it in another way. I try to put it that way. Whom do you seek, he said. Whom do you seek? Who are you looking for? And the sad thing was, you see, that what amazed them was that Jesus confronted them with these words. He said, I am he. I am the one you are looking for. But Jesus in another place had told us not to search for the living among the dead. Because they're not there. He had risen. No. He said, you come to the water of life, he said, where you can drink freely of it. Regardless of all the missiles that come round about you and invade your life and your heart and your situation and all these things. You stand fast on the one who knocked at your door one day and asked for admission to come in. Never, never forget that moment, however long it is. For some here, maybe a, a long time. For me, 50 years ago. 50 years ago. I heard that knock in my heart. I didn't know what it was. And it was Christ, my friend, seeking admission to come in to my life and take it over. And lay, lay myself aside from these silly things. He had come for this pleasing and this pleasing sacrifice to God. To stand in my room and in my place, my friend. That's how he came. Not for somebody else. I am he, he said. I am he. But you see, <clears throat> there are other matters here. There is also a loving concern here. He said, if you want me, he said, 
let these men go. Let these men go. Now that's not easy. What happened to them? They fell at the power of his voice that accompanied that sin. They fell backwards. They were useless. Because they had realized to some extent that they were up against it in this man. Not very often would the criminals come out to meet these people. But this one went out and said, and they, he had such an effect upon them that they fell, they lost their strength, and they fell down to the ground there. They drew back and fell to the ground, he says to us in verse 7. I told you that I am healed. I told you that, he said. So if you seek me, let them go, he says. They're not going to suffer just now. They're not going to the cross of Calvary. Christ knew where he was going. He wasn't going, it wasn't a leap into the unknown that Christ was taking here. He was going out there to meet and to meet the demands of our sin and to fulfill what we couldn't fulfill, a holy law. A holy law. We are, we are by nature and practice sinners. We cannot touch holiness unless it comes to us here. Because he had said to them, in another, if he said, if you want me, he said, let these others go. See, nothing can stop God's providence and his work. Once he begins a good work in your life, he will bring it on into flourishing. It doesn't matter what hell has to throw at it. It doesn't matter what false preachers have to say about it. It doesn't matter anything like that. Where he begins that good work, he doesn't begin like we do, begin things and we don't finish them off. Nobody has ever finished everything they intended to do in this world. But Christ finished it. And finished it totally. Totally. And he called out, it is finished, he said. It is finished. And we are wrenched so often between this, what can I do? What must I do? If Christ is speaking to you, you obey him. That's what you do. You obey Christ. Because that's exactly why he came for to make us willing in a day of his own power so that we might know this truth. So maybe there are things that we need to let go. They had to let go the disciples. Then they, there are things in your life maybe and there's a sin in your life, a hidden something in your life and you're cleaving to it, holding on to it. You can't manage without it, you say. Yes, but if you drew your last, last breath today you would manage without it my friend. and that is why Christ here said this to the man fear not he said little flock it is the father's good will to give you the kingdom he said give you the kingdom that's the prize that's the prize at the end of it all and if he can blind the enemies there, then they can do, he can do anything. 
and the, the, and the one standing who used to stand so upright with them there and who knew it all was plotting against him was right at the centre of this movement. Right at the centre. Christ knew that. There is nothing hid from Christ. Nothing in our hearts this morning. The least thought, my friend, is known to him. It's like night like day to him. And that is why it's so important for us, my friend, that we are not held back by things, my friend. Things. That's all they are. The greatest possession you have is a thing. But if you have Christ, you have all things, my friend. You have everything, my friend. Because nothing short of the blood of Christ could erase this and cleanse us on repentance from sin. And we need a repentance. Because it was our sins we have to grasp a hold of this. That is, that is what led him there. That is what kept him there. That is what held him to the cross. His love for us. Not, not our love for him. Not that we loved him. But that he loved us first. That is, that is incredible. That throws you into eternity. To find the beginning of that. That he loved us. Before time began. We need to think about these things. It's not just the present. The salvation is present and it's good to see things happen. But this goes back into eternity. Where all this was formed. And this hour was set apart to be the hour of this world. And in the fullness of time that hour came, he came. And now he, he is to be sacrificed on that hour. And he is to come again at that very hour as well. Everything with God, my friend, is today. It's not yesterday or tomorrow. Everything with God is today. In the eternal light of his glory. So that there is nothing left for us but to obey him. If you want me, let, let them go, he said. Because I'm going, he said, to walk the wine press alone. alone. No one's going with me there, he said. I'm going to do it, he said, for you. I'm going to do it for you. That's the height, depth, length, and width of the love of God that has touched your life here. At some time. Or different experiences. Everybody has different experiences. But they all converge on the same center. On Christ. Because this word has done that for you. And there's one other thing as well here. And this was, he said. That this, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me. I have lost not one. Verse 9. That's the scripture fulfilling. That's the truth being revealed here. This was in the great high priestly prayer there, wasn't it? I have kept them, he said, in your name. Not in their own ability. Not in anything that they had. 
but I kept them in your name, he said. I have not lost one of them, he said. The one who was gone, he said, he went out into the night, he said, because he was never one of us. That's very sad. Very sad. He was the leader of those who betrayed Christ, is how the book of Acts writes about it in chapter 1, isn't it? That he was the one who was manipulating the system behind thinking that he was doing wonderful if he was pleasing the world, my friend. Or we are not in the game of pleasing the world. If we are, we might as well forget about our witness. Your world this morning needs you more than it ever did. It needs the voice of God to be heard witnessing through you. Jesus lost many disciples along the way. He lost them along the way. But but the thing is, you see, the matters, they were not lost, nothing. Their souls were not lost. But they had power to take their body and take their life from them, but not their soul. Nothing can touch your soul here if you are committed to Christ. And if you are all out for Christ. Because the things, he said, concerning me, they have an end, he said. The things that you chase in this world, they have no end. But the things concerning him, they have an end. And this is the wonderful thing that we share here today. Some of us have been left here in the world for a number of years. Others have preceded us. They have gone. We have lost them in one sense, but we have not lost them in that spiritual sense. We have lost their facial looks and things like that, but that's not the important thing. We all have to pass through this gate once. But if we go through the gate of God, to the, through that door, first of all, then you see, we go just like the, the, everything else in life decays in the girls there to bring forth again on the morning when that hour will come in the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he returns again to us here. We haven't lost them. No Christian is ever lost in fact, we should not be saying that they died. If they're Christians, they have fallen asleep in Jesus. Because how? Because they have been made awake in Jesus. You have a quickened, he said. Well, he was. Oh, they were born before that. But now they are quickened in their souls. And that is his work. And as that nothing touches Jesus needs you tonight. He needs your name. He needs your witness. He wants his disciples to walk with him. To witness for him. If you ever get a wee bit of an opportunity. I don't mean thrusting things down people's necks. But if you get an opportunity. You know it's from God. And you say, well, will I say something? Say it. Say it. Because that is be a blessing for yourself, maybe a conviction 
Peter and Persian. But Christ needs us. We are his arms in this life. See, he doesn't need us to go out with swords. He doesn't need us to cut people's ears off or criticize them or things like that. No. We are all flawed, my friend. Flawed. Totally flawed. Only by the grace of God we are what we are. And he wants them, my dear friend, to witness for him, but he wants them also at his table because you will be witnessing there at his table. Without saying a word, my friend, you are witnessing. Jesus is mine. I have heard this. I am he. I have heard him speak to me. Moses heard it at the bush. I turned, he says, to hear the voice. See the face. In the book of Revelation, the same thing again. He heard the voice of trumpets and noise. He says, and I turned, he says, to look, to see where that came from. That's the mystery, my friend. At the heart of the Christian faith, that is not at the heart of any other faith in this world. It is the mystery at the heart of it. Every other one, you can take it apart and you can find the beginning, but you can't in this one. This is precious. This is special. This is for you, my friend. He wants you at the table, he says to you, take, eat. This is my body. This is not transubstantiation. Nothing changes, my dear friend, at the table. The bread remains bread and, and the wine remains wine. But it is still, there are symbols of his body broken for you and his blood shed for you. There is nothing else more than that in it and everything that you require is there. But he wants you more than that. He'll be waiting for you in, in heaven. He wants you to be in heaven with him. What a privilege for sin sodden sinners to be clothed in righteousness made, made fit and appropriate for that place, Christ wants you there. But we can't be there. Well, we can if we are unwell and, we are, and there are other things in this life. But if we have the ability to be at the table, then it's good for you to be at the table. You don't know really what you're missing if you have Christ as your Savior and you have you've communicated. At, you, at the supper there and he has blessed your soul in such a way Father he says I will that they whom you have given me be with me where I am that's his desire that is what kept him going the joy that was set before him kept him going through the valley of Ketron and all these things to Gethsemane and through everything else. Because he knew what the joy was. He had experienced it before. He came into this dark world to work out for you and for me this special life. Life 
life is an eternal life. Jesus alone is the giver. And with that, we just say what Rabbi Duncan said, that the table, the table of believers here on earth is the link between earth and heaven. That's as close as you get to heaven if you're at the table in the right spirit, not with a sword, but in the right spirit and in the right frame of mind because God knows you, Christ knows you, everything about you, he knows it. And we are grateful for him for that on this day. And somebody said that in a, in a we verse there, while our, our hearts and all our, our sins join to admire, admire the feast, each of us cry with thankful tongues, Lord, why was I a guest? Lord, why was I can you say that today? When you say, why were you the guest? Well, because God has made you willing in a day of his power. And you will never, ever, ever regret that. Never. Yes, there is a sacrifice pleasing to God. Yes, there is a loving concern in the heart of God that is bigger than your heart or my heart. And there is the fulfilling of scripture that has to be fulfilled, must be fulfilled. Nothing else, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will be fulfilled. That they will be there with God. And I hope, Lord, that that is how it will be with you also on this team in God's house that you bless us. Amen.